Good morning again, everyone. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. Glad you're connected there. Everybody joining us online. We're so happy that you can find us there and connect and be a part of what we're doing here at Lakeshore, even connecting online. Uh, what a great time with the kids singing today. I always love watching that. Let's thank them all again for doing such a great job for us. We are continuing a series that we've been doing for this Advent Christmas season called The Promise. And in this series, we began by looking at the hope uh, that God brings in the sending of his son, Jesus. It was the hope of the ages. It was the hope of all mankind that a savior, a Messiah would come. And, and I love how God keeps all of his promises, right? He, he fulfills that hope for us so that we can have a certainty about God's love and provision and our future. And then last week we looked at the peace that he brings uh, in the coming of Jesus. And it's not a peace like the world gives. It's deeper, it's better than that. It, it's peace no matter what's going on around you that comes from the presence of God and Jesus in your heart, in your life, uh, that can give you peace no matter what. Because in this world we're gonna have what? We're gonna have some trouble. So we need something that can give us peace. Someone who can give us peace, even when we're having troubles. And Jesus is that one for us. Today, we're going to be focusing on the Advent theme of joy. And especially focusing on joy in the preparation for something good, something exciting, something that's anticipated. The word Advent, that we celebrate the Advent season at Christmas, means the, at the arrival of something or someone greatly anticipated that you were looking forward to. And so the preparations for that can be very exciting. Like when you have a big event coming up, something that you know is going to be a fun time, don't you just love getting ready and knowing it's going to be something really good that you've been looking forward to? I love that too. And I love that about the Christmas season. I love looking forward to all of the good things, the fun things, the exciting things. I love getting together with family and friends. I love the parties. I love the, the decorations, the lights. Uh, I love the presents. In fact, my favorite part Part of the Christmas season, uh, you know, of course, it's celebrating the birth of Jesus and all that. But my favorite part of the tra traditions that we celebrate with Christmas is, is giving the presents out. Uh, I enjoy that. I anticipate that. Uh, uh, I, I love the, the, the excitement, the joy on, on faces when they get a present that they know somebody got for them and they open it up and see what's there for the first time. I, I enjoy that anticipation as they're doing that, as they're ripping the, how many of you are rippers and how many of you are very careful with the paper? Yeah. As a kid, man, I was a ripper, right? I just, I would tear into it faster than you can imagine. Uh, but I love watching that because I'm just as surprised as my family is with what's in the box. Uh, you see, I, I'm anticipating too, not knowing what's in there because my wife does all this shopping. I'm so thankful, oh, yeah, right? My wife does that and I'm so, no, I, I really usually know what's in there because she will show me before she wraps it. Yeah, here's what we're getting this person, right? Here's what we're getting that. And she explains it to me, so I kind of have an idea. But it's still fun, isn't it, to watch them open the gift and actually celebrate that gift that that uh, my wife got for them, that we, we got for them through my wife. So I, I love doing that. So the anticipation, the preparation is a lot of fun. And here's the thing, when you find joy in something, when you find 
fulfillment in it. it. It's not so much a chore to prepare. It's more a fun, anticipating kind of thing. Um, and that's what God, we need to remember, that's what God felt toward us and all of his preparations for that first Christmas. Do you ever think about it that way? God was excited about giving us this gift. And, and he made all kinds of preparations throughout all the ages so that this gift could be given to us. And we could, we could open that gift and receive that gift and enjoy the blessing that that gift was going to be. God eagerly anticipated that giving of that greatest gift of all. Jesus' birth, God coming to earth as a human, is the greatest gift that's ever been given. And I think you can almost, almost sense God's excitement for that hope and that peace, that joy, that love that we were going to feel as we received this gift from him. So today I want us to look at three things about the, the joy that, that I believe was, was part of what God felt as he anticipated this and what he wants us to feel and, and the receiving of this beautiful gift, this amazing gift that he's given us. The first thing I want us to look at is this. Jesus' birth is the true, the source of true joy. There are other things that make us happy. Right? We, we, we like uh, certain gifts or certain things that happen or certain events. They make us happy, but it's kind of a fleeting kind of happiness or joy. But, but the gift of Jesus is the gift that is the true source of joy that, that is really true, real joy that abides, that lasts, that, that goes through the things that we have to go through. It carries us through. One scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? It's this joy that keeps us going, that gives us the strength we need. And it comes through Jesus' birth is, is, the, is the arrival of that joy that can give us that strength. And God was preparing, as we've already seen in this series, each week we've looked at how way back in the Old Testament, the prophets of God revealed to us all the preparations that God was making to give us this gift. Let's turn again to Isaiah, uh, this time in chapter 40. There is a prophecy that is part of the preparations God had been doing and would continue to do to give us this gift of Jesus and the joy that he would bring. Isaiah 40, beginning with verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I love the way the prophet, uh, as God inspired him to speak and to write, said, uh, this is a, a done deal. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And when the mouth of the Lord speaks it, it, it will happen. It's a certainty. You can count on it. You can plan on it. And so he's saying that God has prepared someone who would come and prepare the way uh, for the arrival of this gift. He's speaking prophetically of one who was, who was coming that, that would be fulfilled hundreds of years after the time the prophet spoke these words. 
And, and throughout the arrival of this one who would come as this voice in the wilderness, there would be all these other preparations that would be happening to make it the right time, the perfect time, uh, the, the exact time God had planned to give us this gift. And so it wasn't just this person that the prophet is speaking of. It's, it's all the, the valleys being uh, raised up and the mountains being made low. And every, he's talking about all the preparations, everything being lined up exactly the way God wanted it to be lined up for the arrival of this gift. And man, when you think about it, we could go back now. Uh, I, I like how we can see things better with hindsight, right? You can see all the dots being connected, God lining everything up. And we could go back and read throughout history how God made all these preparations and, and lined everything up with people and places and events so that this presentation of this gift would be exactly what God intended it to be. I can just sense in the prophet's words the, the joy that God was feeling and experiencing as he, through the prophet, spoke this prophecy to his people of the coming of this gift. You see, God's not limited by time the way we are. And I know it was 800 years after Isaiah said this, that this prophecy is fulfilled. But for God, it was just like moments. He already knew what was happening, how it was going to happen. He orchestrated the whole thing so that we could receive this amazing gift of Jesus. Preparation is one of the keys to things going well, right? I mean, if you want things to go well, it's good to prepare a little bit in advance, get ready for it. And, and I love preparing. You know, we, 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 a lot of people overdo this. They stress out over the preparations for our Christmas celebrations, right? I know that at my house, when, when we're getting ready for Christmas, decorating uh, inside and outside the house is part of our preparation, right? And, and, Sue Ann and I have this agreement. She's in charge of the inside, and I'm in charge of the outside. But with that agreement also comes the fact that all the decorations are packed up in a shed outside. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? Right. So she's ready to decorate, usually before I am. But in order for her to decorate, who's got to get involved now? Yeah, the outside guy has to get involved. We got to open up the shed. And usually stuff has been piled in on top of, you know, in front of all the boxes and crates with all the decorations. So I have to make a path and clear things out and go back. I have to climb deep in there and get to the stuff and pull it out and, and get it into the house so she can open it up and start her decorating part on the inside. Now me, I do plan too. And the way I plan for decorating outside is I look at the weather report, right? Because if we've got a sunny, warm day coming up, I don't care if it's Thanksgiving or a week after Thanksgiving, if it's a sunny, warm day, that's the day I'm going to try to get some outside decorating done because I hate freezing out there trying to put up decorations. Right? I don't I tend to not do as good a job if it's cold and wet and all out there, you know, when I'm trying to decorate. So I try to pick a good day for that. But all of that is just part of the preparation, isn't it? And I don't enjoy some of that, but you know what I enjoy? I enjoy once it's up and all lit up and looking so nice. I love that we went through the trouble to make the preparations to make it a beautiful thing, don't you? I mean, I mean, the preparation is sometimes hard work. Sometimes it can cost a lot. But when you see the end result, you get to experience the joy of, 
of the celebration, it seems worth it. I, I can just sense God knowing all the hard things he was going to have to do when he spoke through the prophet and said there's going to be one who prepares the way for this gift and it's, it's, it's going to be a beautiful thing but there's going to be some hard things too but it's worth it it is so worth it for the celebration that's going to come from it from the joy that's going to be derived from the giving of this gift that he was preparing to give us and in the middle of all the preparation God was doing, through the prophet Isaiah, he was already preparing and connecting all the dots to lead us to a character that we're going to be looking at, especially today, named Zechariah. Zechariah was, was someone who often is not featured in the Christmas story because it happens a little bit before the birth of Jesus. But in the New Testament, he's a priest who serves in the temple of God. And we find him in the temple burning incense in worship. And the people are praying outside. Let's pick up in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, where we see this account of Zechariah in the temple serving there. Verse 11. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit Listen to this, even before he's born. See, he's already a person who's going to be having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit before he's born. What does that tell you about life in the womb, friends? This is human life there, already being able to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, he will be, bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to wisdom to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord this is a huge announcement that is being made here and God when he makes huge announcements like this as we saw last week with the shepherds on the hillside right he, he sometimes uses angels to come and make those announcements to us I love that. This, this is a big deal. And when it's a big deal with God, he does big things. He does things that get our attention. Uh, let's look at the story again. It says Zechariah is just in there doing his job, and then all of a sudden, right, there's an angel standing there. Remember when the shepherds, it happened to the shepherds, it said right away, what was their first reaction? They were terrified. Remember what that means, Right? They were terrified, right? They were really scared. So, so here's Zechariah in the temple, and he's just doing his priestly job, and he's just doing the incense. There. And, and here, all of a sudden, there's an angel standing there, and God knows that that's going to scare him. So what's the first thing the angel says to Zechariah too? Don't be afraid, right? You don't have to be afraid. Now, if you missed last week, you can go back and catch it on our website. But, but we need to know that in their minds, the appearing of an angel wasn't always a good thing. It wasn't always good news. Sometimes it was pronouncing judgment or, or warfare or struggle. So you need to know that's one reason they were scared. But also just scared because all of a sudden somebody's standing there that you didn't expect to be standing there. That's a scary thing for anybody. 
And so he says to them, don't, he says to Zechariah, don't be afraid. And he starts telling him about how God has heard their prayers. Now, if you look at the whole story, here's, here's, he and his wife have been praying for a child. And in that culture, for a woman or a wife not to be able to give children to her husband, it was looked down on a lot and sometimes criticized because they connected that sometimes with, well, she wasn't all she should have been. She, she wasn't right with God or she could have had children for her family, you know, all those things. You know, so, so she's feeling some of the disgrace. And, it, and if you read the whole story, we find out they're already older now beyond the time you would think they would have children. So they're both thinking we've missed that window of opportunity for that blessing in our lives. But this angel says, no, God, God's heard your prayers. Even though it's later, even though you thought you missed it, God, God's more powerful than that, and he has a plan here, and he's going to provide this blessing to you. And this child, he says, is going to be a delight to you. He'll, he'll be a joy and delight to you. And not just to you, but he says, many people will rejoice in the birth of this child because you've got to connect it to the prophecy. This is the child that Isaiah was talking about that was going to come and prepare the people to receive the gift that God was also working on in advance and preparing to bring to the world, to bring us the joy of the gift of Jesus. This child's going to be special for a lot of reasons. One is he's not going to drink alcohol and, and, and he's, he's going to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Uh, many scholars believe that that means he was taking a Nazarite vow and, and a Nazarite vow would be a vow to never touch alcohol. It would be a vow to never touch a, a dead body. It would be a vow to never cut your hair. There'd be a lot of things involved in it. And certainly John fits that when you read about his life. That's the kind of life that he lived. So he was totally set apart with a vow being made to God on how he would conduct himself because he was going to be that vessel through whom God was going to prepare the way for the fulfillment of the prophecy that the Messiah would be given as a gift. And so he, he's a special child that, that is announced by an angel. And, and we see this being fulfilled in in, in such a beautiful way in Scripture for this couple that, that just didn't expect at all that God would bless them in that way. They thought they were way past that. And now they hear that not only are they going to have a child, but it's by a miraculous work of God, and they are going to have a child that's going to be the one who has the joy of announcing and preparing and announcing the gift that God was bringing to all people everywhere. What an honor. And that leads to the second thing today I want us to see, and that's this. It is a joy to prepare others to experience God and the gifts of God too. You see, when we're looking for ways to have joy in our lives, sometimes we're looking only at the temporary things that can do that for us in the moment. And when the joy, the fun of that wears off, we start chasing the next thing, right? And then the next thing, and the next thing. 
But when he says about what John, this baby, is going to do, that's going to be named John, when he says this child is going to prepare others to, to welcome this gift of God, here's what we need to know. Most people get the most joy from not receiving, but what? Giving. Now, here's the thing about giving. Sometimes I get joy out of giving, too. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But, but what John was going to be able to give was far better than any temporary gift we could give anybody. How many of you have just, you know, you found out what your child wanted for Christmas, and it's a hard thing to find. And so you, you know, you, you get up early one morning, and you get out there. Maybe it's Black Friday, whatever day it is. You know, you get out there to the store. You fight the crowds, and, and you, you spend money you shouldn't spend, and you give the kid that gift. And they take it out of the box, and they play with the box. <laughs> right? It's a little bit of a letdown, isn't it? <laughs> After all that you did to prepare to give them that gift, you thought it was just going to be different. But John's going to be used by God to bring a gift into the world that all people everywhere are going to be blessed for eternity when they receive this gift. The joy of helping others find and accept this gift is a joy that's beyond any other kind of joy you can experience. We, we need to remember and make that connection this Christmas. I don't mean we should ever take away from gift giving and the fun that comes with that. Those, those are all good things. But what we, understand, what we need to understand is what people really need the most. There are people all around us, listen to me, who are, who are miserable, who are empty, who are searching, who, who don't know even what they're searching for. And they're just wandering around lost in the dark. And the prophet, remember, we looked at it already, said a light has, has shone in the darkness. This is the gift. This is that light. This is what people are really longing for. And the greatest and best use of our lives is to help other people find that gift. There's nothing more important than that. And Christmas gives us an amazing opportunity to help people make that connection with the celebration of Christmas, with, with, with the very name Christmas, Christ, and Mass. It's, it's the worship of, of the, the Christ child, the Christ that has come to be that light to the world. If we can help people in this Christmas season with the time and the energy and the fun and the parties and the decorations and all the things we do, if we can understand that the most important thing for us to do with all of that is to help people make the connection to the gift of God in Jesus, then that's the best use of Christmas. It's the best expense. It's the best expenditure of your energy and your time. It's to help people find and experience the gift that Christmas really is. The coming of the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ child. People are heartbroken over the struggles in their lives. People are suffering the consequences of sinful choices and decisions every day. And this gift is the answer to all of that. And they don't know it yet. There, there are people out there that have no clue. 
And God put the church on the earth to be the beacon through which that light would shine to the world. And I don't mean this building, do I? What's the church? It's us. He put us here to to be that, that beacon, that messenger, that spokesperson like John who would introduce to the world this gift of Jesus. The joy of preparing others to receive Jesus is the greatest joy you could ever experience. That you would let God use you to help somebody else come to know Jesus. That's the greatest use of your energy, time, efforts, resources. When people are hopeless, that's when they need this gift the most. When people are struggling, that's when they need this gift the most. When people are lost in darkness, that's when they need this gift the most. And he wants us to be the messenger, the deliverer of the gift to those people. There was an author named Leo Biscaglia who tells this story about his mother and what they began to call as a family later on their misery dinner. And what it was was their, their dad, uh, her husband, had a business, and he was in business with a business partner. And the dad came home one night with terrible news. He said, my partner has run off with all the money from the business. I'm going to have to file bankruptcy, shut it down. I can't keep it going. I don't know what we're going to do. And everybody was just devastated. Well, the mother had some jewelry uh, in her jewelry box in the bedroom, and without telling anybody in the family right away, she went and got that jewelry. She went to a pawn shop and pawned it off and bought all the fixings for a great feast. And she said we, she came back home with all these groceries, with all the items she needed, and she started preparing and getting the family involved. In she says, we're going to have a feast. And some in their family criticized her for doing this, and she said, you know what? This is what we need most. We need something to celebrate in the midst of this hard darkness that we're facing right now. And so they had this feast to celebrate. The prophet said, the people are walking in darkness have seen a great light. Friends, that's when you need the hope the most. That's when you need something to celebrate the most. And God put us here, his children, who have received this gift already, to let other people know, hey, you've got reason to celebrate. You've got a gift waiting on you. That's better than anything you could imagine. You need to know about this gift. You need to know about Jesus and what he's done for you. What happened to that family is it turned everything around for them. The father was encouraged again. He went back and rebuilt the business. And it was hard and it didn't happen overnight. But they had greater appreciation and blessing in their lives than they had ever experienced before. And that's what Jesus offers us. Is a chance to start over brand new with something better than we've ever known before. It's an amazing gift. And he wants to use us to bring that gift to others and help them be prepared to receive it. Well, Zechariah doesn't respond exactly the way he should have to the angel's message. He is excited, but he's still a little doubtful. Let's look at verse 18. He asked the angel... How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. I like the way it's written there. He says, I'm an old man, 
And my wife is pretty old too. You know, she's kind of old. <laughs> he's trying to be nice about it. But, but what he's saying is we're both really old. <laughs> That's what he's saying. We're real, a little too old for this to be happening to us. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. It's almost like here's the way we would say it today. Zechariah, don't you know who I am? I am Gabriel. Every day I stand in the presence of God himself, and he's the God who sent me here to give you this message. Who do you think you are, Zechariah, that you wouldn't listen to me? I'm Gabriel, right? You need to make the connection here, Zechariah. I came directly from God with this message. I have a privilege that you don't have. I've been in the presence of God and got this message from him and brought it to you. You need to know you can believe this because of who I am. So he says in verse 20, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. <laughs> Gabriel says to him, Zechariah, man, I wish you'd just believe me. Here's what's going to happen now. You're not going to be able to say anything until the baby's born. At the exact appointed time, God, you know, he's had it all planned. He even knows the exact timing. He's got it all worked out. And when it finally happens, just like I told you it was going to happen, only then will you be able to speak again. So Zechariah, being skeptical of the good news, has to suffer some consequences along the way. You see, when you get good news from God, the response he's looking for is not, are you sure, God? I mean, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how that could happen. I messed up so bad already, I don't know how I could turn things around. The finances are so bad, I don't know how we're going to get. You know, the business is, you know, the family is, the marriage is, you know, I, God, I just don't know how that could happen. Right? That's the way we treat God when he brings us good news a lot of times. Instead of celebrating that when God says something, when he sends us a message, whether it's through Gabriel or anybody else or the scriptures themselves, when God says it, guess what we can count on? We can count on him to keep his promises. That's what this whole series has been about, friends, is the promises of God and how we can trust that God will always keep his promises. And so he's going to show Zechariah that you should trust God's promise. Now, now here's the thing. I don't think he just did this to Zechariah just so Zechariah would have to be convinced that, you know, you should believe God when he tells you something. I believe this is in Scripture for us so that we don't make the same mistake and we learn to trust God when we read what he says in his word, when we hear what he says in the message from his word, we will put our faith and our trust in it right away. We don't have to have doubts about it if God said it. It is a certainty. That's where our hope is. And that's where the joy is as well. The joy that God can give. You see, when you know for sure that God keeps his promises, it's easier to have joy no matter what. Because you know he's going to come through. You know he's going to do what he said. You know he's going to take care and, and, and keep all of his promises. Now, as a point of note, I want you to understand, fast forward a little bit, that as Elizabeth, uh, Zechariah's wife, is having her pregnancy, when she's six months along in her pregnancy, 
she gets a visitor from someone who's named Mary. And Mary comes to Elizabeth and says, well, an angel of God came to me and said, I'm going to have this baby and I've never been with a man. But when she walked into Elizabeth's house, it says the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. Now the world will tell you that's just a fetus, but the Bible says this is John already filled with the Holy Spirit leaping for joy in the mother's womb. A little different view of what is in the mother, right? The woman. And, and there's another evidence for Mary because Mary has been given this, this message from this angel that God has chosen her to give birth to this, this child that's going to be the hope of the world. And she needs some encouragement and some reassurance because she, she knows not everybody's going to believe her story or, or not everybody's going to support her in what's going on. And, and most scholars believe, we know they were related. Most scholars believe they were cousins. Elizabeth and Mary were cousins. And she went to her cousin's house because the angel said, your cousin's already expecting a baby late in life, you know, some miraculous thing too. And, and, and you, she went to, to celebrate that with Elizabeth and, and to get that encouragement she needed so that she could keep her joy in the midst of all she was going through. And God was providing that for her. And, and so, based on that, John, this baby inside Elizabeth, would be how much older than Jesus? I, I know you didn't know you were going to have to do math, but <laughs> six months, okay? She was six months ahead of Mary, uh, you know, approximately around that, six months ahead of, of Mary and the pregnancy. And so John would be born first, and then Jesus would be born next. And John was the one who was, the prophet said, was going to do what? Prepare the way for people to accept and receive the gift that God was going to bring through Mary, the gift of the Savior, Jesus. So Mary and Elizabeth, being these relatives, they, they understand both of them. They're making the connection now. Uh, think about all the, pre the, the remember preparation? God prepared exactly Zechariah, Elizabeth, John, all connected to the preparation for Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus. He's orchestrated all of this. He's gone to all those details and preparations. Now, he did a lot of other preparation before leading up to this, but, but this is part of what God had prepared way in advance. Remember, Isaiah spoke around 800 years before this these prophecies, and God was already working and preparing. The reason I want you to get that is because he was making all those preparations for you and for me and for all who would receive this gift. He was doing all of that for us. All of this preparation was done for us. That's how much he was excited about giving us this amazing gift and I want to jump ahead to after John is born and he begins his preaching and teaching ministry, uh, he did do what the prophet said. He, he didn't drink any alcohol. He didn't cut his hair. You know, he, he, in fact, he lived and preached most of the time out in the wilderness areas and he ate locusts and honey. He was, a, he was quite a character. And people came out to John and they would hear his preaching and his teaching and he would baptize people wherever he had enough water to do it, uh, oftentimes at the Jordan. And he would be baptizing people out there. And it says in John chapter 3, beginning with verse 26, so people came to John after John had been doing his ministry for a while and said to him, Rabbi, 
that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing everyone. He's baptizing and everyone is going to him. Now, it's almost like these people are, we got some inside information we're going to share with John now. He may not be aware of this. We can tell him something he doesn't already know. John, you know that guy that you were with on the other? Remember what John had been able to do? He had been blessed with being able to baptize Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Jesus did that to fulfill all righteousness, and he baptized him in the Jordan, and he saw the dove descend and heard the voice of God. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He, he, what an amazing experience that John got to have. But, but John had been doing his ministry now, and he's already got a following, and people are coming out to him. But now the report is, oh, people are starting to go to Jesus now. It's like they're trying to stir up a little competition and jealousy here right because here's what teachers did in that time they all had their own group of disciples and and the most popular teachers would have the most disciples right they would have the biggest number biggest crowd coming to hear them kind of like preachers competing with each other today right in their churches like you know you're really a good preacher if you got a big crowd at your church and you're not so good if you're at a smaller church you know that kind of competition right and, and you get jealous of the ones who have bigger churches that they're preaching at. And he's trying to stir that up with John a little bit. And the amazing thing about John and the character of John is how he responds to the news. I, I love his response to all of this. It's, it's an amazing response because he's not jealous at all. Look at verse 27. To this, John replied... A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You know what John's saying? The people who've come to me and listened to me, he was preaching repentance and baptism, you know, for forgiveness of sins. He'd been preaching that, teaching that, practicing that. But he said, the people that come and respond to that, that's not me. Who's doing that? That's God. God's the one who provides that. You can only receive what God provides for you. So he says, only what, what, what comes from heaven. He says, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. So he reminded them, I've been teaching this and preaching this the whole time. You need to remember that. I didn't say you should just follow me. I was pointing you to someone else. He says in verse 29, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of, what's that word? Joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. He said, I want you to understand the news you just brought to me doesn't bring me jealousy. What does it bring me? Joy. Here's why. He says, that joy is mine. It's now complete. And then he adds this. He must become greater and I must become less. <laughs> Boy, that is so counterintuitive to our flesh. to instead of trying to make people think we're great and follow after us, our job is really to point people where? To someone greater than us. To Jesus. Boy, we like getting praise and accolades. We like being recognized. We like being seen in the culture as successful. But in God's eyes, the greatest success we could have is that we help prepare the way for other people to find Jesus. There's nothing greater than that. That's the most important thing we can do with our lives. And John gets it. 
He says in verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all. The one uh, who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it is certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son. He's placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son, He says, has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. He said, man, this one, this one is so much greater than me. He's the one who holds eternity in His hands. He's the gift you need to accept. And that's why He's got to become greater and I've got to become less. I've got to be more in the background and have him be the one who is lifted up. I just came to prepare people to get ready for him. That was the job God gave me. And friends, that's the job he's given the church. He's given you. He's given me. It's not to lift up ourselves. He must become greater. We must become less. We must point people to him, not to ourselves. So the goal was that through John's life, the world would be prepared for the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And now John's saying, here he is. That's him. You need to go to him now. That's what it's all been about up till now. Which leads to the last thing today, and that's this. Our joy comes, really, from the grace of God given to us through Jesus. Our joy comes from the grace of God. John's name in the original Greek, you know what it means? It means the Lord has been gracious. It means graced by God. John says, God has graced me beyond anything I can imagine by allowing me to be the one who points people to Jesus. All the relatives celebrate with Elizabeth and Zechariah when John is born. And, and when a baby's born in that culture, Oftentimes, they kind of already knew what the name was going to be, but they didn't actually make it official until the baby was born. Then they would pronounce the name. And so, so the baby's born, and, and in Scripture, it tells us they were all celebrating. It was a wonderful time. Uh, and look at verse 57 of Luke chapter 1. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They were going to name him. After his father, Zechariah, that's what in their culture often happened when a baby was born that was a male, they would usually have the father's name given to the child. And so they thought that's naturally what's going to happen. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. In other words, why did you come up with that name? It's got no connection to our family. Why would we name him John? It says in verse 62, then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Remember, Zechariah has now had to learn and use what kind of language? The whole time he hasn't been able to talk, so he's had to write things and use sign language to communicate. And now people are communicating with him. You know, I don't know sign language. What do you want to name the child? I don't know what they did. But whatever the sign language is for that, they signed to him, you know, what do you want to name the child? And I love it. It says, he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. 
Immediately, it says his mouth was open, his tongue was set free. He began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with all, and throughout all the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is with him. God was working out all of that. was part of the preparation, too, to have people in wonder and in awe of John and John's birth so that he could use John to prepare people to recognize and accept Jesus as the Messiah. I love that John understood his role and fulfilled it well. And my caution for all of us this Christmas season, like every year, is that we enjoy the fun things and the celebrations. And we anticipate the giving of gifts and family gatherings and the good food. Those are all good stuff. But here's my question. What are we doing to point people to Jesus, really? That's what it's really supposed to be all about. What have we done in this celebration to point people to Jesus? I love having the kids sing. That's a great thing. The gift is for them, too, right? It's for all of us. And that's a fun thing to do. But what are we doing to point people to Jesus? What are some sacrifices you're willing to make? What are some preparations you're willing to make to help people find their way to Jesus? You're willing to prepare for lots of other things. How have you prepared to help people find their way to Jesus and come to know him as Lord and Savior? Over the past weeks leading up to Christmas, I've really, uh, Sue Ann and I have really prayed about this for Lakeshore. More than anything else, what we want to do is help us be less inward focused. We must decrease and more outward focused so that Jesus can increase. And I've seen this church family, I've seen a life group just yesterday that came up and packaged gifts to give to those experiencing homelessness. Over the past couple of weeks at both campuses, I've seen our youth group wrapping gifts that there were people donated money to sponsor uh, foster kids and, and families that needed help for Christmas. And we wrapped gifts and people came up yesterday and helped deliver those gifts to, to those families. And you see, that's helping prepare them to find Jesus. Sometimes we'll get so caught up in the preparations of what we want and how we want it to be that we forget this is really all about helping people find their way to Jesus. That's really what it's supposed to be about. We say, you know, we hear it all the time. I've confessed. I watch Hallmark movies, the Christmas movies. I do. I've already confessed that, and I turned in my man card a long time ago. So here's the deal. The, every single Hallmark Christmas movie makes it about family or, you know, children, or it's about that. And they're fun to watch, and they're good, clean movies most of the time, right? Good stuff in them. But that begins to play with our minds into thinking that's what this is all about. And it's not. Never has been supposed to be about that. Those are fun additions to what it's really all about, which is pointing people to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, today we take time to remember the joy that comes through the birth of your son. We cannot find fulfillment in any other person or thing. We can't have abiding joy apart from the gift of Jesus. 
this Christmas, may we rejoice in the good news of a God who came near to us in the form of a baby who grew up to die for us so that we could experience the joy of your grace in our lives. Father, I pray that today if there's someone who has not come to know that grace in their lives, that today would be the day that you work through us and you work through your word and you work through their lives and people around them to help them find their way to Jesus. Use us to prepare the way for him to come into the hearts and the lives of the people around us. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.